Hello, and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats After Hours number nine. I'm joined this week, of course, with famous world traveler Ed Wynn. After he recovered from a long year of grinding, he's uh, he's taking it pretty easy right now. And I gotta say, it's weird being in Ed's shoes because I'm currently the one recording on the other side of the country with uh, just a microphone and a phone. So we'll see uh, We'll see how well this goes. Ed does have clear audio for all the autophiles that uh, the normal Ed quality of his cast. So hopefully we'll get some good sound to percolate your eardrums this week. How you doing, Ed? Good, good. And aren't you technically on the other side of the world right now? Yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. We'll see how well my internet connection holds up this week. Um, but you know, we figured we'd give our listeners a preview of our normal cast returning to uh, Gathering Magic and all the other places where they can find us. So we uh, just had Rivals of Ixalan come out. Uh, Want to say yesterday. Which, you know, there's no real financial plays yet besides the standard bannings, but we'll save that for the normal cast. After Hours is all about whatever the hell you want to talk about. So, I mean, do you want to start with crypto? Do you want to talk about something else? Because I know a lot of our listeners are dead done with crypto, so we can do any topic that you want me to throw at you. Yeah, we can talk about whatever. I'm down to talk about crypto or... I guess, like, if we want to touch on it, like, obviously it's taken a bit of a hit. I... For people who just got in, I think we are nearing the end of that brief stretch when it felt like everyone, when it was just on a massive exponential growth, everyone jumped on, everyone was just learning about crypto, everyone wanted to get on the bandwagon, and then afterwards when it kind of leveled off and people weren't seeing the same growth, it felt like a lot of people were getting off the bandwagon. Obviously, there's like some real world uh there's some real implications. Uh, South Korea was looking to make a move towards putting uh, some sort of restrictions on crypto. South Korea does account for roughly, I want to say about 35 to 40% of all the world's transactions for crypto. So I think there was a lot of waves there. I think that pushed a lot of it down. I think a lot of people who just, again, like I said, previously got on the bandwagon and haven't really been in the crypto game for long term, they were probably disappointed with not seeing returns. They some of them might have wanted to just minimize their losses and get out right away. Um, I think that was kind of a, a big contributing factor from the dip. It was, you know, it depending on what exchange you use, obviously it was like 15K from the previous week. It dropped down to as low as like 97, 9,800. And now like, I think we're starting to see the more steady, slow growth that we should be expecting from crypto. It's back up to about 12.8, 13, I think when I last looked uh, an hour ago or so. And I think from here, we'll just kind of see the relatively stable slash slow incline as opposed to the, the the giant spike that we saw towards the end of November into December. Um, so honestly, I think if people haven't gone into crypto yet, this is, again, a reasonable time. I do have a lot of confidence in crypto still. I do think there's still a lot of room for growth. Um but other than that, I don't really see the need to talk too much about it. I, I still feel confident. I still have a fair amount of my crypto. It's It goes down, it goes up. That's just kind of the nature of the market. It's not reasonable to expect just exponential gains over a very short amount of time. Um, 
that being said, I think there's a lot more people who are aware of it now. A lot more institutions are keeping their eye on it. I believe the New York Stock Exchange is actually opening it uh, Bitcoin futures up for trading. I want to say if they haven't already, it's happening very soon. I have to check on that. Um, one of the biggest banks in Japan, they're ha one, they're forming their own crypto exchange as opposed to trying to form their own cryptocurrency. So one, that's a way for them to self-regulate and it also allows them to make it more secure for people who actually want to deal with crypto as opposed to having to go through some of these sketchier exchanges that are out there. Uh, a lot of them seem to be plagued by network issues, too much traffic, whatever. Um, so things like that, I think like I think this will really be the big year for crypto. I think the end of 2017 was a bit rushed, but I think going forward, I think there's just a lot of potential for crypto, and I I do still stand by that. I will win in October uh, against Jeremy. So that's the sound of Ed's hair going away. Nah, I'm not worried I, about it. <laughs> I actually got a lot of people when I was in Israel to invest in cryptocurrencies like the day before bitcoin went down to 9000 uh ethereum went down to 900 so they went to bed feeling happy and they woke up and they were just like what the hell did you do to my money and it was like well i didn't promise you'd make anything uh but they've sort of rebounded to a point where they're around break even right now so it's been fun to uh, get messages from them the last couple days of you know, like what the heck's going on? It's like, well, I never promised you free money, but when there's a ton of people that see crypto as free money, it's it's a toxic relationship. This reminded me a lot of 2008. You know, when your barber's talking about how to make money off subprime mortgages, something's fishy. Uh, I do agree with you, Ed. I think that uh, crypto as a whole will grow next year. I want to see Bitcoin regain a higher part of the uh, total market dominance because it's currently below 50%. Um, I'm happy that Ripple took a dive finally. I think that it, the fact that it had twice the market cap of Bitcoin was insane. And I hope people that got in early sold out of Ripple around like 3.5. Um, we're starting to see more altcoins produce higher uh, returns than Bitcoin, such as Tron, which went bananas while we were gone. There's a bunch of other stuff that's going crazy. Um, but I do think that Bitcoin and Ethereum, and especially when Litecoin went down to like 160, 170, those, those will be the gold standard of crypto for next year. And if you're looking at just sort of putting your toe in the water, I think uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin are the best two places to start. You may not see the best returns, but you're not going to get taken for a ride like some of the other coins yeah i think like the like the two biggest things that you hit on there was that people who are looking to get into bitcoin simply as either like a get rich quick scheme or hey i heard about bitcoin at work i need to get onto bitcoin to train i think those are the i, I think those two types of people are the among the biggest detriments uh to cryptocurrency as a whole and the other part of it is people, again, who really aren't doing their research, they aren't understanding the fundamentals of cryptocurrency, and then they're going into all these altcoins, wherever, um, if you read, like, if you read, like, the Discord for cryptocurrency, or if you read any of the Facebook groups that talk about cryptocurrency investing, there's just so many people who are basically just trying to, like, get everyone hyped on their coin, and then people are expecting to see huge returns, and then 
they're being too greedy about it and then they're being disappointed when a lot of these altcoins they see their initial spike and then they just basically drop off to where they started um as opposed to something like bitcoin or ethereum they have substantially more legitimacy and it does feel like their growth is much more controlled and it's much more tied into what is actually going on in the world as opposed to a lot of these developers or whatever who's coming who are coming up with their own cryptocurrencies their altcoins and basically just trying to push it so they get that initial spike and then cashing out while the other people are basically left holding the bottom of the barrel basically so i mean there's I, even I, there's even altcoins for that are tied to the price of organic bananas now like i could make a stupid pun about that but it's just getting out of control right and i think like i i think those types of things are much more in line with um uh, with the uh, with the tulip bulb analogy that a lot of people bring up, uh, talking about you know seventeenth century Netherlands, obviously, um, I, I think that's more in line. That's that seems much more like buying and selling tulips, as it were, as opposed to again some of the more legitimate cryptocurrencies that do exist out there. All right. Well, I don't want to have our listeners kill themselves after listening to crypto talk for an hour. Uh, so there, of course, there's other stuff to talk about. I'm of the mind that arbitrage is starting to die. Like, obviously that's a big part of what you do, but you're starting to see a lot more vendors post on Facebook, on Twitter. You're starting to see a lot more people take advantage of arbitrage. And I think the market's starting to dry up a bit, unless you have access to the GP level deals that like you or Monty or Wenzel have, you're starting to see a lot of people post stuff from Japan. Uh, you're starting to see a lot of people post German foils and it's, it's, uh, it's getting harder out there to make a little bit of extra money. How do you, uh, how do you feel about arbitrage going into 2018? Uh, I, I think it, I, I think you've more or less hit it dead on. I think, magic has basically reached a global saturation level where everything has one magic feels like it's much more saturated the market in terms of singles things that were previously inaccessible are just much more accessible and the fact that everything is becoming so homogenized we have vendors you know coming japan going over to europe going over to america north american vendors going over to japan to europe europe coming over to america and japan etc like there's no clear dividing line anymore uh if you look at mkm itself there's a lot more vendors from japan uh canada the, uh, the, these vendors are slowly starting to creep in into what was previously a very very exclusive market um goner days where you can just be ordering stuff from mkm and then just sending it over uh for a hundred percent markup or whatever um even the foreign market feels very very dead in america um starting with i think this was no ixlon was actually the first set where we didn't even bother buying any foreign printed product japanese russian german Korean for the most part in the previous sets i don't know how it is with you but we've usually ordered a small amount like usually less than one case it wasn't a substantial amount but it would usually be on the shelf for customers if you know they had an impulse moment where oh cool i can buy a japanese pack and you know maybe i'll get something cool you know they want to spike the japanese foils they want to spike the german foils obviously 
excuse me um but gone are those days it's just so accessible mainly because at the gp level and it's starting to slowly permeate into the normal market um a lot of these foils are just so much more accessible for people uh japanese foils have you know previously been the kind of the grail for pimping out your deck uh roughly you know starting from like late 2000 up until like five like four or five years ago japanese foils were highly sought after and trying to completely foil japanese out your deck was a thing and now it just doesn't really feel like the case anymore one because you want cards that turn over much faster and two the number of people relative to the overall magic population who actually want to be going through all these extremes to make their deck look cool it's just it's just not there anymore um so in terms of arbitrage, it's becoming harder and harder, and the list of cards that, that trade well here versus Japan, that list has slowly started to tighten, and it's getting to a point where a lot of Japanese vendors have to be very, very selective about what cards do well, mainly because if they do it in large enough volume, it'll just tank the Japanese market because they're basically taking cards over here that are good in Japan and et cetera. And if they take the Japanese market, then there's going to be no fundamental difference between the Japanese cards and the English cards. Um, and that's when it gets really tricky for for arbitrage. And the fact that so many people have started to catch on and start doing it, it just makes it that much more difficult across the board for everyone. So how happy are you that you sort of saw this coming and said, I'm going to reduce my positions in my portfolio for Magic? Like obviously you still do a little bit here and a little bit there, but like you you did uh as you said on the cast before, you you know, you got rid of some power, stuff like that. So is that something that like you look back and you're like, I definitely made the right choice? Or is that something where you're like, I wish I had played a little bit more with some of that stuff? Hindsight is twenty twenty. I think when you look at it in terms of like investments, it's hard to regret what you do. Um Obviously, I'm fortunate because it doesn't necessarily matter to me. This is all just house money to begin with, as it were. Um, Humble brag. Like, if if I really cared, then sure. Obviously, I could, like, squeeze out some extra edges. But, you know, there are still things that I'll still dabble with. Uh, you just have to be willing to accept that your margins aren't going to be as insane. You know, instead of cards that you could previously just, you know, buy and buy in Europe, buy in Japan or wherever, and then just come back here and just straight market up 100%. Like, those days are just long gone. It's just not really feasible um, to see that anymore. Like, I have this small stack of Japanese foil sitting on my desk. Um, so anyone who's watching, like, like these air bases, um, these, like, obviously, these are more Master 3s. They aren't the same originals. But realistically, when I list these, I'm expecting to make, like, maybe 15 to 20%. One, because I'm not that greedy, and two, it's just becoming so hard to move them. Even though I got them at a very, very good price, it's hard to sell them for a vastly more than what you got them previously, mainly because people know that, oh, Harulia will ship overseas, and even though Harulia does kind of charge the Star City rate, as it were, it's becoming much more accessible for people. I Again, I just can't you know take whatever I paid for these and mark them up 100%, and and expect to move them like I would have, you know, four years ago or so when it was much more easy to get into the Japanese foils. And then there's random things like Seer Missions, obviously, like, these are pretty cheap. Uh, there's, like, this random 
foil Japanese Mandrain. I kind of bought it on a whim. Uh, not really sure how well this will do. It again, this is such a narrow card, but it was a small gamble. Here's the Liliana the Veil. Like when Innistrad first came out, full Japanese Liliana Veils, um, kind of when they were at the peak, you were able to get 700 for them. And now for Innistrad ones, you'd be lucky to get four. So it is what it is. Again, do I regret it? Not necessarily. Do I think I could have been able to squeeze a little bit more? Absolutely. Uh, am I happy with where, the, where it is and like my position on them? Sure, I'll live. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's it's real interesting because I I've been seeing numbers from vendors that are posting on Facebook like Moose Loot, Black Magic, and they're getting pretty close to what they've paid for this stuff as far as margins are concerned. Uh so it's interesting to see, you know, through December and January when we when we should be seeing stronger returns, especially in January, that they're sort of flooding the market and no one has money right now. Um so it's just interesting to watch this phenomenon. I think a big part of it is I think people are still feeling the lingering effects from iconic masters. I think tell me about there's, it. So there's two there's, <laughs> there's two parts of it, right? So one, obviously iconic masters is a flop, boxes are worthless, singles have just tanked so hard in price. Most of them have cratered to basically unrecoverable numbers. Like we're at the point where like Vorn clicks. Like we were talking new Frexia Vorn clicks were what, like pushing $30 before they were reprinted. And now you can buy them as little as six to seven, I think. Um, and that that's the type of card that will just never ever recover again. It's past the point of needing another reprint, although it wouldn't surprise me if it was reprinted again. But that that definitely falls in the large subcategory subcategory of cards that their price was very 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 heavily fueled by their scarcity and much less so of their actual playability obviously like Vorn Clinks like Vorklex is it sees a ton of play in most green EDH decks but coming from New Phyrexia that was kind of the era before Magic Roy really took off and scarcity was probably 90% of the price and playability was I would say 10% and now a lot of the cards that have kind of fallen in that boat that have seen the reprints are basically just never going to recover. Um, and I, I think it's slowly starting to come back to catch up to people. Now people are really like truly realizing that outside of reserve list, there's absolutely nothing that's safe or sacred anymore. And when we have to deal with this constant master set, master set, master set, reprint esque products that's not just limited to master sets but commander these various box sets whatever i think it's people are really starting to feel this thing and it makes it much harder for people to buy heavily into cards that very well could be reprinted in masters 25 is it's what january 20th so it's literally less than two months until we see mark until we see masters 25 and there's not even a guarantee that there won't be a ma another master set later this year um and I, I think that's a big part of the, the, those two factors are a big part of what is making people very stubborn as it were to really kind of hunker down and buy what they need. Cause it so, just seems like everyone's kind of just playing the waiting game. Masters 25 comes out March 16th because it's the week after the 5k that I'm holding. Okay. Yeah. So literally less than two months from now is uh, the next master set. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So is this something where you're starting to look at maybe other options after this year? Or like uh, just like Paul, who who uh, has been on this cast before, you know, he had a high and lofty job with one of the bigger vendors on the scene. And he's uh, taken a couple steps back from the easy days of 100% returns. Is this something where maybe after 2018, you're like, I don't know. Or is this something where you're like, I'm going to contract and I'll, I'll stick it out and go from there? I mean, I I don't necessarily want to say like I'm doing this because I feel like I have to stick it out. Um, I think the nature of the game store being more than just magic gives me a lot of how to put it. I confidence isn't necessarily necessarily the right word, but I feel much more comfortable knowing that again the entire business doesn't rest solely on magic. Obviously, magic is the leading seller on the online store, but the store itself will do fine. Um, unlike in Paul's case, MTG deals, they were a game store, obviously, but such a huge part of, of their business by nature is MTG. Um, so like, am I really worried about it? Not necessarily. Do I feel like I have to stick it out? Not really. Uh, so you have nothing to prove at this point, basically. Yeah, there's nothing to prove. It's just kind of chugging forward. I think there's there's no shame in like leaving the market if I have to. I mean, I see there's a lot of vendors who have come and gone in the like the what it's 2018, five, six years I've done this now, where I've heavily been on the Grand Prix circuit. It's you know I've seen no shortage of vendors that that have existed that no no longer exist anymore. Lots of places have closed their doors. Lots of small game stores have closed their doors. We've seen some big ones bite the dust. It is what it is. Um, I mean, I, I'll just try this out as long as I can and kind of see where I go from there. Cool. Yeah, it's just interesting. Like, uh, I took basically a sabbatical from uh, from work. Like, I, I had calls in the morning and, like, customers were calling me at horrible times because I was in the Middle East. But uh took a step back and I'm just like, am I happy doing this? Is the money worth it? And I guess right now it is uh, instead of putting my time to into other activities at the moment. But, you know, as long as you're happy, you know, do what you want to do, man. So that's the, that's the big picture. Cause you travel far more than me and I travel a lot compared to the average person. And I don't know how you do it. It's just, uh, does not, I don't know how you're saying after all that, but, uh, it's uh, part of the fun, Ed. It's part of the fun. You have to take it in stride, right? Like, it's not always... It's, it, like, each Grand Prix, it's more than just, you know, hunkering down, buying and selling cards. And each uh, each trip is... You just have to make the most. I, I find pleasure in things like, oh, I get to go out and just sample, like, this restaurant that I've heard about or I've seen on, like, the Food Network, YouTube, or whatever. It's like, oh, I actually get to be here and enjoy it. Or just walking just walking around, just being like, man, I'm actually in Tokyo. I'm actually in Sydney. I'm actually in London. Like these are all things that, that I, in my opinion, just make it well worth it. So, and that's not really something that I would necessarily trade for. Even if it means like, yeah, there are friends my age who, you know, have settled down, married, have kids, have a house, whatever. Are they happy? Maybe they are but I'm pretty content with where I'm at. And I think being content is just such a big part of it. And I don't think enough, enough people put enough emphasis on that in their lives. 
Are you looking for a man who's out of the country 300 days a year? If so, hit up Ed. He knows magic cards, and that's pretty much it. But he knows his magic cards. I, I, I think I'm slightly better than just knowing magic. I, I feel like I have more to offer, but I'm well-traveled. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh... It's pretty fun to tell people like what you do for a living, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to form meaningful relationships when you're not in the same place like at all. Uh, I don't know. I was talking about that with a bunch of people. This is after hours, obviously, about like the nature of the business and all that while I was overseas and uh, sort of stuck on the other side of the world right now. Can't wait to come home. So I, I just don't know how you do it sometimes, man. Anyway. <laughs> Unless you want to continue on this topic of dread and sorrow. Nope. Yep. Uh, figured as much. So, Iconic was a flop. Arbitrage is a flop. Is there anything good for 2018 that we can look forward to? Jesus Christ, I hope there is. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, Wizards like had a wave saga out the bang this year with the whole uh, making background checks mandatory for judges. That was a, a a good fun way to start out the year. I don't think they realized how how much they shot themselves in the foot doing that, and how difficult of a position that puts not only game stores, but I think just the community as a whole, uh, just kind of the position they've ended ended up in as a result. So that would kind of be a fun thing going forward. As for the rest yeah. of the year, yeah. As for the rest of the year in terms of magic, it's just have to take it one you know one month at a time. You can't really think that far ahead because you know, there might not be a next month. So who knows? Yeah. It's real interesting seeing what people have been saying to wizards and how they're, uh, how they're taking it. Obviously they're a giant corporation with many employees that do many different things. And there's, uh, there's different branches where people make different decisions out of that. So if, uh, you're submitting feedback to wizards, like it depends on who you're telling in the company, uh, because not everyone has the same pull at wizards. So you gotta you gotta be careful about like who you're talking to, or uh, who's going to receive your feedback. But definitely the the pressure that a lot of people put on wizards to certain members of the community, just spamming their Twitter feeds and like it, they like cross migrated over to hat the wizards Hasbro feeds and My Little Pony feeds, and they were just posting everywhere. So wizards probably, at least the people upstairs probably thought. Uh, we can't have this bad PR. Let's just give in and move on and hope people forget about it when M25 drops. Yeah, logistically, I think it's... <clears throat> excuse me. Logistically, I think it... We were talking about this somewhat ex extensively at work uh, yesterday, and it's just it's just one of those things... Again, I, I don't really want to go into too much detail about it. I If you're, if you're really curious, message me in person. I'll... I'll be happy to have the conversation with you there I kind of put my thoughts out there regarding it but again without going into huge detail um the way hasbro worded it's just so ambiguous that it does two things for them which is i'll give them credit it's pretty ingenious but it's pretty shitty at the same time one is worded in such a way that there's no liability to themselves they've basically put it all in our court it's on, you know, it's on me, it's on our owner, it's on you and your store, et cetera, that 
they're the ones that have to take on all the liability and all of the baggage that comes with it. And I don't necessarily fault them for that. They themselves are in a pretty bad position, but I don't necessarily think it's fair to just put it on our laps and then not really have to deal with any of the, any of the backlash from it. Um, so that's where I stand. Again, if you really want to talk to me in more detail about it, you know, like either send your feedback to wizards. I'll be happy to kind of answer messages about it, but I, I just don't really want to go too much deeper because I think it's, it's not necessarily the most public conversation that we need to have. And my thoughts on it are just kind of independent and I don't think it really does me or anyone else any good, but it's something that I'll definitely submit to wizards uh, via feedback myself. And obviously like within the store, we, as, as our own store, we have to kind of figure out how we're going to deal with it going forward. Yeah. I definitely reached out to the appropriate channels uh, to figure out what the hell is going to happen with like my judges and like how that affects me personally. And yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, in fact, when this was announced, I was on the other side of the world and it was not fun getting phone calls at like three in the morning of people freaking out. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great month of January, man. Crypto's in the sink. Wizards is, uh, at least the heads of wizards are in my opinion, shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, yeah. And, uh, not everyone's making as much money as they used to be making unless you're uh, salaried. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's real interesting to see what the economy is going to do this year, especially just talking about the normal economy. Uh, if you look at just statistics, um, unemployment, NASDAQ, Dow, and uh, oil prices, uh, oil prices are up, but the Dow, NASDAQ, and unemployment are down a year after Trump's presidency. Uh, now, there's people that say on one side, he's writing the coattails of Obama's legacy, and on the other side, it's all him. Uh, there's people that are pointing out that some of the jobs he's creating are, uh, notices that he's giving out are in trade-offs for companies firing 20,000 people. And on the other hand, people are saying uh, the people that are receiving those bonuses have worked at those companies for such a long time that they deserve it. So it, everyone's becoming more politicized. I mean, the Women's March is going on right now in America. I have a lot of friends that are attending that uh, to protest whatever they believe in. And uh, there's no, there seems like there's no discourse from either sides to come together and talk anything over. Uh, if you're for Trump, you get labeled as a white supremacist. And if you're against Trump, you get labeled as a snowflake. Like people need to change. People need to come together and work it out. Yeah. Like it's just, so this is slightly off topic, but like every morning kind of part of my morning routine is I, <clears throat> I fire up a few podcasts. Like the New York times has a particularly good one. I think it's like a, it's like a 20 to 30 minute episode that they do every day. It's just kind of like a pulse on America as it were, just talking about various things that go on, that goes on. And if you don't already, I would, especially in this time and age, I strongly recommend that you at least put like 20, 30 minutes aside just to know what's going on. I think a big part of the problems as it were that we have in America is I just don't think people have properly educated themselves. Just going on learning, like, you know, what is causing these just explaining, trying to understand something as simple as the economics, all this, like, why is the economy behaving the way as it were? I'm not telling people, people need to go on it, like be an economist, but just 
having conversations with people, just listening to people talk, it's very clear that people have only heard either things to hearsay or just a very selected, uh, selective bias opinion, as it were, and people are not actually getting the facts. Like if, like if you actually want to change the world and just, or just even, you don't even have to be that naive, just have your impact. You need to be educated. It doesn't matter what you believe in. Just make sure that you're believing in the right things that you're just learning about. Why do I actually believe the way I do? Um, I think this, in this time and age, like one of the biggest crimes you can commit is just being ignorant of what's going on around you. Um, especially since so much of it just either directly or indirectly affects our daily lives, whether or not we realize it. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know. I'm getting frustrated with both sides. Like, uh, they can't agree on anything. Our, uh, our governor, uh, whose campaign I worked for in the past just got accused of blackmailing a, a woman, uh, over like a sex tape. And the previous governor that I worked for was, misappropriating funds so it's uh it's been real great for my resume as far as having to take all of those off because every single one of the governors that i've worked for has ended in scandal at this point and it's starting to happen at uh, other other branches as well i know a longtime listener of the cast jr is probably pretty fascinated with uh how this whole Mueller thing's going over so it'll be interesting to see where that goes as well and on top of that the government shut down right now not great for people so you you can't you can't both sides can't just uh dig their heels in and have the country fall apart they need to work it out you know compromise means both people lose something it's not it's not you can't compromise by winning you both compromise by by giving up something totally agree i I think compromise is something that there's not enough of i think people are just so focused on being concerned whether they're right that they're not con- concerned with what's best so do you think that's something with like our generation that people refuse to admit that they're wrong i i think that's a big part of it i think self-awareness isn't necessarily like a forte as it were i think we kind of went through a stage where everyone seems to think that they have to be a snowflake as it were. And I, I think that doesn't leave a lot of room for people being able to openly admit that, wow, I screwed up. Like I, I have something to learn from someone else. I have something to learn from a different perspective. It's possible that I'm not necessarily right here that someone has a more reasonable past. Someone's he has a more reasonable line of thought than I do. Um, I think like roughly people, in my age group, like just a little bit older than you. I think that's kind of where we fall. Um, And I think that kind of puts us in a very, very difficult position, mainly because like we're becoming the largest group of voters. And the fact that so many people just have this, I I don't really know, like stubbornness isn't quite, quite the right word, but inability to, compromise i guess like again i can't think of quite the right word here i i think i think that's a big part of just making it so difficult for any sort of particular agenda to shine through because so people so many people are just focused on their own agenda and again like what they think is right that they're not willing to accept that someone else's agenda 
might be just as good as their own. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like, you go back a couple years, people were so full of hope and joy, and now everything's a garbage can. Like, one of the other things is, like, social media is so negative at the same time because everyone is posting something that's bad. Like, you can't work to fix everything, but you can work to elect people that, you know, believe in your same policies or uh, donate to groups that you think are doing better. But, like, not one person in this world, not even Bill Gates, can solve all the problems. But it's about small things over time. And at the same time, like, people are more addicted to social media than ever, and they're too busy looking at, uh, like, snapshots of other people's lives and like the when other people are having fun that's what they post they don't post when they're having a shitty day they don't post when their makeup isn't perfect and people are starting to get sucked into that more than ever of like my life shit let me look online oh everyone else is having a good day i must just suck at life and it's nice to take a step back and like like you said educate yourself instead of like just scrolling at a facebook story and then like based off the title you feel that way and you act like you're educated it's more about educating yourself and sometimes it's about logging offline and you know not looking at a computer for the day because i'm sure you could go through a stroll in new york right now with your phone off and appreciate it i mean maybe not the city with like in the homeless parts or whatever but you'd, you'd appreciate like central park or the views of the buildings or all that but then if you turn on your phone and you look and you're just sitting at home all day or you're sitting in your office all day like everything feels like shit sometimes you just need to get off line and walk around and figure it out i agree i i think that's why i put so much value on travel um i think you know whenever i hear things like i i don't necessarily fault people because obviously people have I'm, I'm not gonna judge people by their situations but whenever people say i haven't left my state or you know obviously beyond that is i haven't left the country again like your circumstance may vary i'm not really here to judge people for that i i genuinely feel sorry for those, those people mainly because i don't think that they've had the same life experiences i've had as it were um again i'm not saying that like my views here are correct or whatever but i think being able to travel the world, seeing different cultures, seeing how different people live, um, you know, learning of different traditions, mannerisms, whatever. I legitimately think that has made me a better person. I think that has brought me to a deeper level of understanding what goes on in the world around you. Like, you know, like how, how do people in like Japan feel about this whole North Korea thing that's going down? Right. Like they're, you know, like it's scary enough for us thinking like, you know, like this fucking psychopath is going to nuke us. Like, how does that feel for people in Japan where they legitimately have have had like like scares of like, hey, we're firing test missile into like the waters off your coast. Or, you know, how's it feel to be in like Hawaii, which is America, but it, it's basically a different country. It's just so far away from us when, you know, you get you get an alert on your phone that says, you know, in like missile inbound like this is not a test like like how those people feel um and it's just such a it's like so many people have a different way of life and when people hear it just feels like a lot of people are just too sheltered they just don't get out enough and it, it just makes people feel bad for them because i think that's just such a big part of life just knowing more than just what's here and what's around you if you died tomorrow would you be happy with where your life was 
I, <clears throat> one of the things I've tried to work on more this year is just being content with, uh, things as they were, um, like Wanderlust is a big part. Like every time I'm here, I'm just like, man, like I just can't wait for my next trip or whatever, but I've tried to live my life in such a way where I don't, I don't have regrets. Like, do I wish things were different at times? Sure. Like, could I have done things very differently? Sure. Um, do I need to dwell on a regret on it? Not really. If my life were over tomorrow, I, w I wouldn't say I've had the worst life. I, I would say that I've, I've been pretty privileged and far more fortunate than most. Amen. Oh, yeah, I agree, man. Like we, we have our ups and downs, especially in this industry, but in the end, like you're in it for a reason, whether that's money or, or traveling and it works. Like, uh, I think it's hilarious that I'm making Jim's wedding, but I'll be out of the country for someone else's wedding that like, I am much closer with than Jim. So it'll be interesting how that goes. It's like, uh, Hey, are you making my wedding? It's like, Nope. GP. But then for Jim, it's like, oh, no GPs that weekend. All right, I'll be there. So I just think that's funny. I actually think there is a GP that weekend. I think I'm actively skipping. I actually think it's New Jersey. That uh. Okay, then then there's no way in hell I'm going to New Jersey. Right, and it's one of those things where I think, like the in the case with Travis's wedding, um, I think there was a wedding like a month or two prior to that where I, I had missed, and I was like, man, this feels really bad. Like this is one of my friends I've known forever. And I'm missing, I'm missing like my chance to share like you know the bet one of the best days of his life with him, um, and I, I that that made me feel bad like obviously like there's like there's a job that has to get done but I think like with Travis's wedding originally I had no intention of going but it just just thinking back and just made me realize like man I could probably afford to skip this GP like i think just i actually keep a spreadsheet and a list of every place i go to and for events and whatnot and various travels i think like i hit my 80th grand prix not too long ago and realistically like what's missing like my 81st uh grand prix Rather, cash that's what sure but at the end of the day like it's just having more money so and i, I like i realize that that makes me seem a little uh it's just money it is it is i think like again the fact that i have the luxury of not of being able to say that puts me far more fortunate than most but you know spending the day or spending a weekend rather i think i drove to buffalo new york on a friday or so being able to hang out with people having a good time at travis's wedding that was definitely worth way more than whatever i could have made at going to I think it was Atlanta that weekend. I think that's where the GP was. So I don't really feel like I'm missing out. It's just like I don't really feel like I'm missing out not being an indie right now. Um, the tickets were too expensive. I didn't think it was going to be a good show. And you were right. It is a shit show. It's a shit show. I'm here. I'm at home. Get to relax. Get some work done at the store. I'm not really missing out on much. Yeah, and I'm happy that I also am in Japan instead of indie. It's like uh, pretty pretty nice right now. Um, I I think it's funny because you you see people like ogre posts and like I'm just I don't know the exact number so I won't like misrepresent him here. But he said he spent like a couple million this year on cards or last year on cards. You have to wonder like at what million dollar range is that even fun anymore? Is like spending the first million in cash fun? Is spending the second million in cash fun? You know what's your ROI on that? Like if you spend a million but you make fifty thousand, was it really worth spending a million? So 
I don't know. It's uh, it's real funny because he he like openly posted how much money he had spent buying magic cards. Yeah, I definitely remember that bit. So, but hey, if it works for him, it works for him. So I, I'm, I think despite some of the things that I say on both like the after hours here today, the, some of the ones we've done in the past, whatever advice they give on the actual cast itself, or whatever people have to say when they talk to me, um, I'm not here to change people. Um, one. It's, it, it's not necessarily my place or my job to change you. You know, if you make something out of this and you do change for the better, more power to you. But again, if whatever you do works for you, keep doing it. Because ultimately at the end, like, this is your life. Might as well be happy while doing it. Yeah, man, there's a lot of people that are uh, struggling with, like, their own... Uh emotional states especially because it's the winter time i've gotten a lot of messages from friends that are just like what the fuck am i dealing with my life it's like real sad but you got to get through it you know so i i spent a lot of time talking with like some friends that are going through some shit over uh our hiatus and it's been interesting to see like how they've been chasing a certain dream for so long and then they've realized like too late that it's the wrong dream so it's rough and like I have sort of we sort of know what we want to do and we've set up at least for me like a five-year plan of like where I want to be you know like what degrees I want to have all that stuff so it's interesting yeah you want to hit me with a topic to close this out I have no topics to hit you with whatsoever wow Ed yeah I'm, uh, I'm disappointed in you as usual sorry so we talked about the economy, we talked about crypto, we talked about arbitrage, we talked about money, we talked about life goals. What else is there to talk about? So so I guess this. Like you're in Japan right now. Like this yeah. isn't your first time obviously. What about Japan? Mainly because maybe this kind of gives a small perspective to some of our viewers uh who haven't been in Japan before, people who are curious. Cuz I definitely get that question a lot like, you know, what's it like in so and so place? Um what do you like most about Japan? Like whether it's on this trip right now or something that you've experienced in the past in Japan. I mean, how deep do you want me to? Uh, I actually know it. I can't say that. I can't even say that on after hours. I'll tell you in person sometime. Uh, like one of the funny things about like riding the subway in Japan. Uh, but I'm, I plan on sharing this on social media, so I won't go too deep. Uh, I mean, the food's great. Like being in a country where you don't speak their language and you can't read anything is like one of the best things ever. Like if what if I go out of Tokyo again, like to Shizuoka or like a Adaiba, wait, no, that's Tokyo. Like Osaka, Hokkaido, any of that. It's great to just like get lost and like walk down a random street. Like I did that a lot in in a uh, in Spot. I like went off on my own and just like walked around doing my own shit. Uh it's just great. You just get lost in the moment. The food's great. Like obviously no no nation is perfect. Japanese have a lot of problems, least of which which is Logan Paul. Uh but it's uh it's real interesting to uh just get lost and enjoy the moment and not have to like stick to a timetable. Um like obviously the arbitrage is nice as long as you have customers. Of the cool things about 
going to Japan, if you already have like buys lined up is like, yeah, just give me money ahead of time. And then like when I have a free moment, I'll pop into this shop that I already work something out with, like with Heiko or someone and I'll grab the cards for you. So I don't know. Uh, the other thing like people don't realize is like, yeah, we travel to a lot of countries, but it's not all, it's not all roses said before that like you can have extreme highs and extreme lows vending especially you're like trying to play the arbitrage game you know like you show up to a shop and they accidentally sold the cards you wanted that like you had prepaid for because they're not professional or some guy hit up akihabara the day before you and there's like nothing left that you could have done and you like look at those price stickers and it's like shit that would have been a good price so i don't know uh like what's what's uh, your favorite country? Is it still Japan? Is that still your thing? Um, I mean, L London. I think. Well, just like I don't think anything. Will, every any place I'll ever go, I'll ever do throw London. I think it's just I. I just like London too much. Um, Are you going next week? Of, yes. Oh, I'm like fifty percent on London and fifty percent on on. Yeah, no, wait. I think I am in London next week. I will check my ticket. I do not know which GP I'm going to next week. Perfect. So I wait, didn't I, didn't I talk about going to London? Haven't we talked about this on Facebook? I don't remember. I talked to too many people on Facebook. So, Ooh, Mr. Social butterfly over here. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, in, in terms of like Japan itself, right. I think like what does it for me is the food. Um, I like, like the food, it's just too good, mainly because I'm pretty open, like with eating. I'll I'll literally eat anything. Nothing really bothers me. I don't think of like any food is, you know, anything I won't eat. So I'll eat like, obviously, like sushi. I have no problem eating like raw fish and whatnot. But just, it just feels like the quality of everything across the board. Mainly, I guess it's a big part is we're not used to it. It just feels like everything tastes better. Everything tastes way less artificial. Um, I don't know. The food, the food is something like I definitely enjoy. Like Yakiniku is great, which is uh, basically Korean barbecue where you're basically cooking over a very traditional um, small stove type thing. Uh, the food is great. Like I wish, I wish I had the ability to be able to pick up foreign languages much more easily and learn them much more easily because I think it's a big shame whenever you go somewhere. Like, yeah, it's fun to be lost in some place and not speak the language. Or whatever, but I feel like I I lose a little bit of the cultural experience by like just fully not being able to speak um, Japanese, Japanese, or you know, like Dutch in Amsterdam. But like, granted, like like in in the Netherlands as a whole, like the English is pretty good. But like, I don't think I get quite as much enjoyment out of someplace like Madrid, mainly because most people speak very very little English in Spain. Uh, which you I do think is have, you have to have everything explained to you there. Sure. Well, right. This is one of the things about Jeremy that I forgot that I don't actually miss. It's one thing. For, <laughs> it's, it's one thing for him to actually type out the puns. It's another thing to actually have to l listen to him s verbalize it. So. All right. And then to close out this podcast, name one album you've been listening to recently. That is not Taylor Swift that you've been impressed with. Um, so oddly enough, I've actually listened to relatively 
little Taylor Swift. Uh, I do think their new album is great, but I've just been like on back on like a classical piano kick. Um, I just I just pull up the uh, what's the station here? Let me pull up my uh, music app. Uh, simply piano. It's the it's a classical radio station on iTunes. I have Apple Music, so um, it's just something I could throw on. Like it's always very very different. Granted, uh, like it may it may sound like oh it's just like classical piano, but there's just so much nuance to it that it's easy to listen to no matter if it's at work, at night when I'm getting ready to go to bed. Uh, I I can always get behind it. So. I, I'm definitely uh definitely a big fan of classical music, so that's kind of what I've been on lately. More so than usual. The newest uh Fallout Boy album dropped yesterday. It was uh very interesting to listen to right after my plane ride. So that's uh trying it out, a little different from their normal music, but pretty impressed with it so far. Mm-hmm. So if people want to give feedback on your music or lifestyle choices, Ed, where can they find you? Uh, I am with Corbin's Game Store. You will see me in London next weekend. You guys can also find me on Twitter at Edwin13. Um, yeah, feel free to hit me up, tag me, ask travel-related questions, lifestyle-related questions, magic-related questions. Be more than happy to answer them. You can find me on Twitter at the normal place you can find this podcast at cartel underscore finance you can find us on itunes soundcloud on our sponsored page gathering magic which i highly highly recommend and if you guys want to write into the cast there's a there's a chance that we'll answer your questions when our sponsored podcast comes out uh next week so you guys should do that if you want us to help you make some free money obviously we're not financial advisors but uh we try to do what we can Anything else you want to add, Ed? Nope. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming, as I just said, next week, where we'll have the whole gang back on. But uh, thanks for listening to our After Hours, and we will be back soon. Have a good one.